Welcome to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz. This show is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I would like to thank Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And Daiwa, they've got your bass covered. My first guest this week will be Dan Johnson. We're talking about ice tackle preparation. It'll be here before you know it. Then my next guest is Shannon Martin. She is the executive director of the Kenine River Sport Fishing Association up in Alaska. She's going to tell us some uh, amazing facts about sport fishing in Alaska and especially the Kenine River. Listen to what she has to say. And then the last time I had this man on, I told you to remember his name, Trey McKinney. Trey has qualified for the Bassmaster Elites for 2024. He's 18 years old. He's going to talk about his path, his goals, his sponsors. Listen to what Trey has to say. But first, I would like to welcome back Dan Johnson to the We Fish ASA podcast. How are you doing this week, Dan? Doing good, Dave. That is great. You know, we uh, we talked about scouting for ice fishing from your boat last week, and uh we said we would talk ice prep uh, this week as far as getting your tackle and equipment ready. Uh, boy, that we've had some cool nights uh, the last couple of weeks. It's not too early, is it? Never is too early. Matter of fact, fortunately, I did some of this um, after ice season last year, so which is good. And what I mean by that specifically is I really looked at the things I was flat out of. Like there's a three pound ice line that I love to use for finesse and I was out of it. Um, there were two colors of jigging wraps that I really like. Um, I was out of those. I actually broke one off. We have a, a pond here locally that's got big hybrid wipers in it, believe it or not. Well, wow. I'm assuming it's what it was because it pretty much took my line and my jig. But um, yeah, so I did a lot of that last uh, after last ice season. But one thing I'm planning on doing very soon here. Um, is getting ready for this year. And specifically what I do is I take an inventory of things. One thing about ice fishing is it's a little more painful if you forget something in the truck, you know, yeah. when it's seven degrees out. Um, and then I'll set my tent up completely, make sure nothing's wrong with it, make sure nothing got into it. Um, you know, if a mouse got in there, I'm assuming it, that's never happened to me, but I've heard those horror stories before. And I keep my Vectralar, I have an FL-18, I keep that battery topped off uh, year-round. I make sure it's charged, but I want to make sure that's ready to go. Um, if not, I'm going to go get another one. Just things like that. Yeah. Uh, because as little as we get to get out, it's nice to have everything ready to go and prepared. Yeah, you want to you want to have it all ready. With, so, like you said, you get that day and you plan on ice fishing, and you know maybe you plan on having fish that night for some crappies or bluegills or whatever. You want it to be successful, and uh, um, I like that you say you keep your battery uh, charged all year long because so many guys come into my retail store the first time they go out and their battery isn't charged and they 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 didn't maintain it otherwise it would have been fine wouldn't it well i do that with my ozonics for bow hunting which is a sand eliminator i top those off all the time um any anything that's uh the little batteries that power things that are that you recharge i i make sure those are maintained year-round it's just it's the same philosophy as taking care of the batteries in your boat 
um, it's the exact same philosophy. And I just transferred over to my graph um, for ice fishing and then, you know, for bow hunting, certain things that I use for that too. And I just think it, it eliminates, there's nothing worse. Dave, you've heard me make the comment before. If I forget my flasher, I'm going home and I am. It's, it's such an integral part to my ice fishing and nothing's <laughs> worse. And I've learned this the hard way by going out and have your battery go out about two hours into your trip because you thought the lights were green when I turned it on and all of a sudden I didn't maintain it was bad and it went down and died on me because it was bad battery and there's nothing worse than that so i just think those little things right up front in terms of line um i change my monos out every single year even if it's very very little used from last year now my braids i don't um i'll get two three years out of those yep. um a lot of times and and then my one thing dave i learned and i'm gonna this is gonna be a really good tip for people and i did not come up with this but two years ago a guy told me, you know, like when you open up a package of something that's electronics or metal or whatever, and there's that little package in there. It's like salt. It's that silica stuff. Yep, that's yep. Shaking it. But that's for reduce. That's for eliminating moisture. Right. And I've always put two or three of those in my ice shade box. And it's been game changing because I remember a couple of years I went in there and I had rusty hooks because, you know, it's ice fishing. And you get lazy and you don't check it and it sits for months. And so that's been really huge too. So I replace those every year too uh, in my jig box. And I haven't dealt with that since. Yeah, absorb the uh, humidity and uh, things you don't think about because we're not looking at that stuff probably nine months out of the year. That is a great tip. Uh, I mean, most people just take them and throw them away when they get, get them in things. But save those, put them in a baggie, put them on the side, put them with your ice tackle and probably it would also be the same thing that you could, uh, if you had enough of them, put them in your summer tackle boxes also for the storing for the winter. I do. I have them in my all my summer, especially my hooks, my terminal tackle, my crankbait box, um, jerkbait box, anything like that. I've I got a... Um, I've got that covered really well. And one, one other thing I want to mention too, and this again is from learning the hard way. <laughs> and it's, this is something I did do last ice season as I literally go through every single jig in my box and I check hook gaps because sometimes when you're taking hooks, especially ice jigs out of big crappies, you can bend them out too much. Or if you get hung up and it bends and you straighten it, you can close it too much. Where I check that, but I also take a little pair of nail clippers and I'll cut every single piece of tagline off every eye in my box. And here's why I say that. A lot of times, number one, ice lines are very small in diameter. I'm 56 years old, so it's hard enough to get the dang thing through it there anyway. Yep. And your hands are cold. And sometimes you're out there in low light and you're trying to thread that thing through that little hole. And if you've got a piece of line that you cut off that's still got the knot on it, it can be problematic. And one of the biggest reasons I do that, and I've made this comment before, there's a lot of jigs that I tie on when I'm ice fishing that I will actually, I don't tie loop knots on a lot of my ice jigs. And that's intentional. I'll tie a hard improved clinch knot, not even a Palomar. And the reason why is I can move that knot up or down depending on how I want the angle of that jig to sit in the water. So if I tie a jig on and cinch it down to the eye and I push that knot all the way back to the jig, that jig will sit much more to 45 in the water. And if you don't believe me, trust me and try it. Drop one down and look at it. So we'll pause, fast forward. If I cut all my other knots off, all of us get lazy once in a while. If you've got a knot on there, it gets in the way of doing that. So that's another reason I do that. And I do that every year. 
No, no, and that makes a lot of sense to me. And and my eyes are going to be sixty five on the next birthday here pretty soon. And <laughs> and I'll 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 when I'm going to go fishing, a lot of times I'll rig three or four rods, even though I'm maybe only going to drill one hole because I know exactly where I'm going to go, and I only need eight or ten panfish for Taco Tuesday for my wife and I. And and I'll but I rig multiples and bring them with me so I don't have to tie on the ice. And I think that's a good idea. Or you. Th- have one multiple if you know you've been catching them on gold and it's going to be overcast day or whatever, and then I'll put a glow on another one or a chartreuse or a red or whatever so I don't have to retie it in case they're not hitting the one I have. I can switch the baits quickly and easily. Otherwise, you might sit there and not do it, right? Yeah, you know, I don't do that. Only I'm not saying I disagree with you, and I think you're probably smarter than I am. But on that topic, the only reason I don't do that, Dave, and this is something I've mentioned for crappie dock shooting, and I've also mentioned it in fly fishing, is every time I go ice fishing, because unfortunately, I don't get to go every day. Uh, so I will not tie up. And the reason why is it reminds me to stretch my line, especially mm-hmm. my mono. I, I will take my mono every time I ice fish, every time before I drop it down the first time. And I'll stretch that thing about 20 foot into the spool, starting at where the jig would be, couple feet with my hands and I'll stretch it. And I'm telling you, it takes all of the coils out of your line. The reason why that's important is you can see fish on a vexilar come up and hit your jig. And if your line's not connected to that jig, if you got those phone cord cables going down, like most of us do, if we don't prepare our line properly, you got to catch a couple before that line gets stretched out really good. And it absolutely matters. So I would really recommend that. And unfortunately, you're going to break it a few times because people who don't do a lot are going to pull too hard. You don't have to pull very hard. A couple little tugs, move on three feet. A couple little tugs, move on three feet. You, know, you got to do about 20 feet. It's not like we're casting this thing. But that's why I don't do that. It reminds me to do it every time. And I'm starting clean. I'm starting fresh. I can get that line right through my hands on that sort of stretch without getting a jig in my hand. And uh, and it, it's just worked for me. It's just something I've always done. There you go. And and you know what? It makes total sense. You explained that, and you're talking about mono. And I fish one pound diameter braid, and I tie direct to the ice jig, and I seem to catch them just like I do open water. But that's that's the whole thing about this fishing game is there's not one right or wrong way to do it, is there? No, that light, light, light braid, or even fused uh, polyethylene line deal is is really cool. I I. I don't like it for the stretch rate on jigs right? because um, it doesn't stretch and I miss them at the hole sometimes, but I, I, it's all I use for a jigging wrap or a spoon, 100% um, is those real light fused in braids. And then in that case, um, I'll either put a little, little tiny swivel on it um, or make sure that I tie some type of loop so I get I, better action in the bait. But for, for my light jigs, I'm using monofilament just because they if they take off on me right at the hole, it, it, it's for me anyway. It seems to protect them just a little bit better. But yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. It does. It does, and if we all fish the way we want to, and that's why uh, I have you on every week. And uh, appreciate your time and great advice as always. Dan, look forward to talking to you next week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting out there. I don't want it to freeze quite yet because I wouldn't be in the tree stand for a bit, but looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, Dave. Uh, No problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and we'll be right back after these messages. (laughs) 
Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is sunline. And my favorite lines to use is sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. Daiwa MAG4Z, similar in design to our SV system. Reels with MAG4Z excel when it comes to casting control while fishing bigger, heavier baits. Our standard reels have a fixed rotor on the spool, meaning the braking pressure is consistent across the entirety of the cast. MAG4Z incorporates a spool that has a dynamic rotor that can adjust out and back from the spool. This gives you maximum control and casting precision. Daiwa. For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible in being equipped and prepared for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection, St. Croix. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say that the guests I have on this segment, they have a passion for the outdoors. My next guest certainly does. She is Shannon Martin, and she is the executive director of the Kenai River Association, Sport Fishing Association. Welcome to the program, Shannon. Hi, thanks so much for having me today. Oh, no problem. So uh, we both were at the Sport Fishing Summit down in Florida, and uh, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Mark, introduced us, uh, and uh, he thought that this would be uh, possibly good for a segment on the on the. Uh, the program, and I did too. So tell us a little bit about the uh, the uh, KRSSA, what you guys do for the uh, the waters and the fisheries and everything up there. What What's the focus there? Yeah, so um, the Kenai River Sport Fishing Association, we commonly refer to it as our acronym KRSA or CRISA for those um, that are close to the association. We've been around since 1984, and um, our mission is to ensure the sustainability of the greatest sport fishing river in the world, the Kenai. But our area of responsibility also encompasses the Kenai River watershed, uh, Greater Cook Inlet Basin, and all of Alaska. So we have a pretty broad mission, um, but we work very hard to advocate on behalf of sport fishermen and provide that that voice for us up here in Alaska. Yeah, I think sometimes the uh, uh, people don't realize uh, that you have to take care of the watershed to take care of the quality of the water that's flowing into the streams and uh, rivers uh, before before it ever gets there. Right. You know, it's not just the advocacy work we do uh, through research or you know participating in fisheries management issues and policy. We also dedicate a lot of our time to the habitat. Um, we do habitat restoration projects. Um, we of fund studies on the water quality and nutrients. And then we also spend quite a bit of time focusing on education for users and young anglers of the river. 
Yeah, and it, that helps. Uh, if the quality of the water is there, it helps the birds, it helps the mammals, it helps everybody that's using it, us, uh, us included, because because we use it uh, and we need to do it. And uh, it, do you guys have anything to do with this the seasons, or do you make recommendations to the to the uh, Department of Natural Resource or whatever ever you have up there that makes those decisions? Do they ask for your advice on any of that? Yeah, so we participate heavily in what's called Alaska Board of Fisheries. Uh, every three years, uh, this board visits regions in Alaska, and they look at allocative issues between the different user groups, whether it's commercial fishing, sport fishing, personal use fishing, and subsistence fishing, to make sure that everyone has a voice and a say in what goes on with our fisheries. Um, for us, we work hand-in-hand with local agencies, um, like U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services, Alaska Department of Fish and Game, uh, and also Alaska State Parks. Uh, we have a joint um, habitat restoration and angler improvement project that we're working with the Alaska State Parks called the Big Eddy State Rec Site. So our organization, Canada River Sport Fishing Association, has received a grant, and we're going to go in and expand the angler bank angler access point but we're also going to pay close attention to the habitat so kena river just to give you an idea it's the most popular freshwater fishery in alaska 70 percent of all angler days in alaska are spent in this section um, called the kenai peninsula it's it's pretty significant with the amount of visitors that come here and with that comes a great responsibility to take care of the habitat that you're treading upon to access this wonderful resource so that's why this project is so important is all visitors including folks that live here they'll be able to walk along light penetrating boardwalks to stairwells that lead down to the river and Mm. it's important to install these light penetrating boardwalks so that the vegetation can still thrive beneath it and still support that bank it it prevents erosion of the bank with so many people trampling to come to the Kenai. Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Does so not only the fishing pressures, but does the weather affect the the populations of the fish and availability for the people to get to it? I mean, high water, low water. Does that can that change how long the season is or how many fish can be harvested? Um, I, I would say yes and no. I mean, I'm not a biologist. I just run a nonprofit, but. Um, the salmon are what really drive uh, the runs here on the Kenai Peninsula. So we have four different um, stocks that return. So we've got Chinook, we've got Sockeye, we've got Pink, and then we have Coho. And of those stocks, uh, some have an early run and some have a late run. And they're, where they're swimming up to go spawn, it varies between those different runs also. Okay. Yeah. That and so obviously it's seventy percent of the of that fishing. That that is a huge number. I would have never never known that had you mm-hmm. not said that. And and I I'm sure that number surprises many people. It does. You know, it was really great for you and I to get together in Florida because many folks that I meet out of state say, "Oh man, Alaska's on my bucket list," and I'm the opposite. Florida's on my <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I live in northern Illinois, almost into the Wisconsin border, so both Florida and Alaska are places I, I would love to go back to. I've, I've been to both of them, and I would love to go back and, and you know, see it again and see it again and see it again because because the, you can't go, you can't see everything in a couple times, and definitely uh, uh, pretty neat. So, 
Uh, any any programs that people can find out more information or anything? How that how um, can they stay in touch and in tune with yeah. that fishery and what's going on? Well, um, right now our association um, we're driven by membership, and membership is free and lifelong. So if folks want to learn more about Alaska's fisheries, more about what the Kenai River Sport Fishing Association does throughout the year, go to krsa.com and sign up for a membership. We send out weekly newsletters. Uh, we also give updates um, on important regulatory changes or uh, emergency orders that happen in this region, too. So we'll send those out via email. Yeah, I would imagine anybody that goes fishing there once probably does that and signs up so they can stay on top of these this information right. and, and hopefully plan their next trip, even if it's two, three years right. out. Yeah, you'll learn quite a bit about uh, what's going on in this neck of the woods at certain times, you know, when is the best time to come up and when is it most popular? Um, but you will also have an opportunity. Um, and this is, you know, something that I'm really big on is letting your voice in the public process. Um, Alaska is like, it's a very large state. We have very robust fisheries, but as a sport fisherman, it's important for us to to speak up and say, hey, we would like more access opportunities or, hey, we're willing to forego some harvest so that we can bring back a healthy run of Chinook. Yeah, and, and I think sportsmen are like that. We're, we're willing to pay for what we do. We're willing to help when it needs help as far right. as, uh, you know, it's not just the, the fisheries, but I'm sure the wildlife there is amazing. It's truly amazing. Even if you're not catching a fish, you'll still have a great time coming up and fishing in Alaska. <laughs> the scenery is gorgeous. And um, like you mentioned before, there's um, swans, there's loons, there's bears along the river, there's moose. You get the whole shebang when you go out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, sounds like a destination for sure to uh, come and see. And, you know, maybe sometime in the future if something's going on in that area, uh, give me a call. We'll have you back on the podcast. But I definitely appreciate uh, the information you've given us today. And uh, uh, www, what is the, uh, the address uh, again? KRSA.com, Kenai River Sport Fishing Association. Um, I'd love to connect with as many folks as possible. Um, I really appreciate this opportunity um, for allowing me to speak and introduce the organization. No problem. We're glad to have you on. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you, Dave. No problem. That was Shannon Martin. I am Dave Kranz. This is the Wheatfish ASA podcast, and we will be right back after these messages. Calcutta Outdoors, from bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Iowa, our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, 
pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate backlashes. Daiwa. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this program is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. My next guest has been on before. Trey McKinney has just qualified for the Elites 2024. Is that even real, Trey? It really isn't. You know, it hasn't sunk in. We've been very blessed this year, but it was just one of them things where we started at, uh, is it really kind of just being a dream? And then all of a sudden, the hardware hits your hands and you're like, no way. You know, it's, it, it's still, it's crazy. Yeah, it, went, it seemed to go by fast uh, watching you. Very proud of you. You did a great job. Uh, you fished against some very tough competitors that were trying to get back to the elites or that had gone to uh, fish something different, wanted to come back. And, uh, boy, many of them didn't make it. But uh, uh, were you nervous when you looked at the competition of who was fishing all of them to be elite qualifiers? Absolutely. You know, I mean, you, you see the big names in there that, I mean, you've watched as growing up and you're like, man, I got to compete against these guys. And then all, all of a sudden, you know, it, it kind of hits you. And the first tournament, the first day I was sitting in like 80th, 90th place. And I was like, man, this is, it, I mean, this is going to be, it's going to be wild. And the second day I come back with 20 pounds and I ended up in the top 20 and I'm like, man, we can compete, you know, and we just kept on rolling forward, and the next turn we end up second, and it just kind of gave me that fuel to keep on driving throughout the season. Yeah, you had a you had a good year um, on where you finished. You had a good year, I think, uh, where uh, you made some money doing it, and were able to pay all the expenses and then some, which is um, that's also a, a hard nut to crack, too, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, fishing's one of them things where you can never have enough stuff. You know, every every time you go in a bait store, it seems like it robs your wallet somehow, some way. And uh, it is. It's it's very important just to have financial support because every tournament you go out, yes, you want to make a check. But if you're living on one of them things where it's like when you have to fish a tournament, I have to get a check this tournament. You know, you just kind of fish different. You don't you don't play your risk. Maybe the the risk to reward. You know, you might not make a big move that's kind of risky, but if you hit, you're going to weigh in that, that twenty pound bag. You know, so. That's one thing I was very blessed this year with is just being able to just to fish freely after we got the first good ones out of the way and, and just, I guess, more less pressure on. Yeah, absolutely less pressure that way. But um, did you do the math before this last one? Did you know exactly where you had to f- uh, finish? I know I saw the interview where you, you said something or you did a post about catching that first fish. Is that all you really needed to do to stay in that with the numbers that you were ahead? Um, yes, sir. We were, we were substantially, uh, had a decent, decent lead on 10th. I think we had 154 points going into the last event. Um, I had a 10th. So as long as I, I knew as long as I caught a few bass, I was, I was good and with my spot. Um, but just confidence wise, you know, I was, like I said, I was always trying to shoot for the best and we had some really quality fish on actually probably having an amazing finish, but I just couldn't get them to bite or finish or, you know, how the Florida fish are. But absolutely, after I got those first couple fish in the boat, it was kind of a, a little bit emotional for a little while. And then I was just like, let's keep on rolling, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, they had that first day that got canceled because of tornadoes, <clears throat> and I think they um, decided to make it a two-day tournament. I guess they could have made it a three-day, fish the next two where everybody fishes, and then the uh, final 
10 would have just had a fish that, that third day. But um, did, did that uh, decision affect anybody, do you think? Or were people like that or not like it? What, what was the, the, uh, the, the group? very hard it's a very um lean left or right you know it's i mean you pay for three days and some people expected to get their three days efficient and which is completely understandable you know but um i mean there's so many different outcomes if you had another day some people will say well somebody might not have caught them and i'd have caught them there's i mean there's so many different ways you can look at it fishing is a very unknown sport um i mean maybe everybody might have caught them again there's just so many different variables you don't know if you added another third day um but i think it turned out good i don't think the points would have shook up any more than what they did because it would have just been the top 10 fish in the next day so basically i think on points race i think it pretty well was even even without the last day i think it would have kind of played out the same yeah yeah and i think there were some guys that were in the top 20 that had a chance to make it and i think some of them did and uh uh, but the, where it's real tight like that and you're not, you don't have that kind of buffer, um, it makes it tough. Was, was practice uh, tough for you or were you feeling pretty good about this one? Well, I'll tell you what, yeah. Um, I, when I first got down there, I went and pre-practiced it, um, just cause I've never been to Florida or anything else like that. And I found a whole bunch of stuff and I was feeling really good about it. And the first day we got there, it was just like taking candy from a baby. You know, we had like 23 pounds and just kind of just and usually i don't catch them but i was just catching one off the spot and shaking a few more off and leaving you know like we were really on them the first day and then everybody found out what lake it was on because it was just kind of every other place was fishing so tough and every day there were just more and more people come over to our lake and it just kind of got so pressured and so i mean i guess i mean polluted really because everybody was idling over and fishing the same grass and it really got really, really tough over there. Yeah. So I yeah. feel like we had like two days of practice, which is done extremely well. But um, it, it, it turned out good. Um, I think some people made a top 10 over there, but it definitely got more and more kind of tough with the pressure definitely got to what we were doing. Yeah, if you've got um, fields of 150 or 170 or 200 boats, it only takes 30 or 40 or 50 of those guys going and catching one and shaking them off to where it can be possibly that it's not the spot you want to start. So did you not go to that spot where you were catching them? I, I, I did. I, I tried to, I was basically trying to get the slim pickings that were still there. Um, I, I knew right when I walked through, I was the last boat. I knew right when I got to lock and ran in there, I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, <laughs> there's people everywhere. And uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of the place and the time where you just kind of, you kind of pick your spot and just kind of work in with everybody. You know, everybody's kind of on top of each other on a good spot. Uh, it just, it just kind of, it's, it's like that anymore. You know, in, in Florida, um, a lot of people fish in groups because there's usually areas of a hundred to 200 yards. It's got fish and there'll be two or three boats, four or five boats in that little area. Um, sometimes y'all will catch them. And then sometimes only one guy will catch them. You know, it's kind of luck of the draw. Yeah. Did you, uh, you said this was the first time you had been to Florida lakes. Yep, yep, it was. And next year's schedule, are there some Florida lakes on it, or is it not out yet? There is. There's a St. John's, and there's <clears throat> Harris Channel. Okay, so you'll be familiar, at, and St. John's being a river system, are, are you excited to go there? I think if it has current, I think I can uh, maybe maybe work it a well. Um, just kind of, because current, I mean, for me, narrow stuff down, you know, there's only... Or certain places they sit, certain places they set up. They don't roam as much. Uh, I definitely like current, but I've never been to like a tidal kind of current thing like that. So I think it's going to be de- very, very different than any kind of current I've ever been in in my life. 
So um, I think it's going to be a very huge learning process. And when do you start back up? Is it January or February? Uh, February. February. We go to Little Bend first and then Lake Fork, and then I think we go to Florida. Okay. How about the rest of the sca- schedule? How does that play out in your mind as to where you're going? Um, it, it, it does. I feel like there's some there's some scope or active targets tournaments here and there um like i said murray i've always heard it's been good i've actually never never been to any of the lakes other than what we went to this year so i've been to toledo and wheeler but other than that st lawrence but other than that i haven't been to any of these lakes so uh definitely gonna have to put in my time for practices and i think be able to have i guess enough stuff to compete with these guys because these guys i mean they're the best out there and uh, i'm gonna have to really i think work really hard to find stuff and find sneaky stuff to compete with them. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, areas that you're going to have to check out and figure out and and uh, go forward with it. Listen, I got to go to a quick commercial break. Uh, we're going to let uh, my sponsors have a, a few words and then we're going to come back. I want to hear from your sponsors and uh, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. We'll be right back with more Trey McKinney. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. St. Croix, crafting the best rods on earth takes a team effort. Takes a lot of hands to produce a St. Croix fishing rod, 32 to be exact. Every rod we manufacture is carefully crafted, assembled, and tested by passionate professionals who want to ensure you have the best fishing experience possible. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Iowa, our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate backlashes. Daiwa. We are back with more of the We Fish ASA podcast brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I am here with Trey McKinney. Welcome back, Trey. What's going on, man? So you did this, you qualified for the elites. You've got a lot of sponsors. Probably it'll open up some other doors or definitely keep you uh, with the ones you have. Let's talk about your sponsors a little little bit because that's what it's about. You're, they're keeping you on the water. They're helping you. Who do you have? Absolutely, and I think loyalty is, is very huge in, in my morals. I think, I, and I love like once I start with somebody that's got me on, on my feet. Um, like I said, it is business, and like I have so many great sponsors, and, and they're almost like family now. Like Saint Croix, um, Seaguar, Losing Strike King. I mean, there's so many different brands out there this year that I mean has really pushed me and helped me being able to make it possible, you know, and uh, as, as well as Charger Boats. Um, and I thank the world of every one of them people. Um, so I say it, it is business, and, and it does get kind of, it's hard, you got to make a lot of hard decisions, and, and I don't like it, it's for sure. 
Um, as well as you guys know, the marketing, it, it, it rises, it, it slows, it, it gets higher, everything. I mean, there's so much fluctuation nowadays that it kind of changes everything here and there. But, no, I love everybody to death. There's been so many people I've met this year that's been just helped me. I mean, anything. I mean, the little stuff, flat tire, anything like that, man. It's just ha- being able to have friends in the industry and, and stuff like that and just friends in general, man, just traveling all over the world. You don't realize how much you uh, – how much you realize until you start traveling and man kind of saved my butt, you know, it's, I mean, hopefully this year I qualify with, I mean, a bunch of good group of guys, Robert Gee, Tyler Williams, um, JT Tompkins. Um, I love them all the best. They've all been good, but good, good competitors and, and, and good to work together as well. Yeah. And in that group, you've got some young guys, but I think you're the youngest. You're still 18, correct? Yes, sir. So um, has anybody from uh, BASS told you, any, was there anybody that qualified younger than you at this point, or don't you know that? I, I talked to a few people at Bass, and as of right now, they're still checking into it, but I am the youngest. That's that's what I had thought. Now, some of those other guys you talked about, they're 21 uh, years old, and you know, or there's a couple of them, but this is probably the youngest group overall that qualified, though, too. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the only one in front of me, I think... There's a guy that qualified at 19. Okay, okay. So you will be the youngest. And is that intimidating at all, or is it somewhat exciting that that you're at this level already? It's very exciting. You know, it, it's kind of it kind of puts get, gets that little bit of air underneath my feet to go and run with it. You know, see, see what I can do, see what I am capable of. I think it's huge. Um, but the Lord's blessed me this far, and we'll just ride it till it ride the train till it hits the end. Yeah, you got to do it, and this is your opportunity, and and uh, it is your time, and you're going to see see what happens. And uh, uh, I think last year you were trying to decide which route to take, whether you did uh, major league fishing or BASS. Obviously, you you did the right choice because you got to their top level, and uh, uh, no second thoughts on that, was there? Absolutely not. You know, after I started the year and. And started to realize like how the tournaments were ran, everything else like that. I really loved it. You know, they're very good people. I love Hank. I mean, all, all the people there um, I became friends with, and just being able to talk to on a on a friendship level. And, and I like them all. They're all super good people, and I've, I've had a great journey this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of people that are uh, looking forward to watching you. Have you heard from any uh, uh, friends that you haven't talked to in a while after this happened? Um, absolutely. Um, I mean, you had tons of texts and stuff on congratulations and, and all this and people that had, had been watching and supporting. And it, it was really cool, you know, just being able to sit down and, and respond to everybody like that. It, it was it was super good. It was a good feeling. Yeah, it's got to be a good feeling. Uh, so so you're uh, you're good. You said you're going to pre practice. So you go before the official practice, before they cut it off. Are you going to try to do that for all of the elites? Absolutely. A hundred percent. I think, I think that that was a big help this year is putting in my work. Um, and, and that's what, that's what I went to everyone this year, except St. Lawrence to uh, pre-practice and uh, just idling around trying to find just areas with fish, not so much spots, just areas, part of the lake, part of the coves, which coves to concentrate in. I think that's a huge key if you're wanting to be successful is, is how much effort and work you put in. Yeah, and, and you also learn how to run a body of water if you're not familiar with it, where the boat launches are, where to buy fuel, where to eat, where to stay. All of that stuff's all important too, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I, and th- I mean, that's what we all have to do. We all have to get a good night's sleep, eat healthy, and try everything else like that. 
and really, I mean, budgeting on a, on a trip is very important. So if you can find the, the cheapest place, the anywhere to get the, the best deals on just buying packs of Gatorade, anything like that, if you just simple out through the, throughout the year, I mean, it's literally, and it's a whole year on it. Um, if you kind of add all that together when you try to save as much money as you can, try to find the, the right foods to eat, which you get bulk with the lowest price and everything, it's crazy how much money you will save if, if you kind of are conscious about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's uh, it's not like going on vacation where you think, okay, for this week or these ten days, I I don't care because I'm going to go back to work and this is what I work for. This is now your job, and it, it's uh, it, it's a hard job. It's not an easy thing to get into or make a go of it at at any level on the tournament fishing, is it? Yes, sir. I agree with that. I mean, there's there's so many different variables that can happen, you know, when you're on, on, on this level like this. I mean, the entry fees are a, a huge step up this year as well. I mean, it's super, it is, I mean, it is expensive. I'm being 18 and I'm, I'm lucky that my family support me and, and let me stay at home because I'm traveling so much. I mean, that's, it's a huge key to being able to afford it financially as well. Absolutely. So, and, and you are homeschooled for, for high school and are, you're finishing that. Are you, uh, putting college off to do this uh, tour this next year? I am. Um, like I said, I mean, college college is a great opportunity for a lot of people, but I think since I have the win underneath my sails right now, I'm just kind of going to push it away and, and see what I can make and uh, see if I can actually make a career out of it, you know, see if I can kind of be, be one of those people in the businesses and just kind of run with it. Yeah, because you can go back and do the college at any time, but to qualify for the elites, this is uh, an open door for you and an opportunity to see where you're at in this. And uh, how exciting is it to think that after next year you could qualify to fish the Bassmaster Classic? That's the thing that don't seem real. It's like I don't, that's what you really have grown up watching or grown up even just going to and, and seeing all the, the confetti and the fireworks go off when they come across the stage and crown the winner. I mean, that's that's a dream just to be able to walk across that stage and even have your, your own walkout song. I mean, all that's pretty cool. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty cool thing to look forward to. And if we are blessed enough to make it. Yes. Yes. And that, uh, that has to be, uh, the ultimate goal or do you have other goals going forward for next year? Do you have uh, some personal goals uh, that you're trying to fulfill? Absolutely. I mean, making the classic is a huge thing. I mean, that's, that's publicity, sponsor-wise. Everybody, it benefits everybody, you know, making it to the classic. Um, so absolutely the classic. I mean, just goals in general. Everybody has different goals and different types of goals. But, I mean, just being able to stay positive, keep my head on right is honestly just a goal and want. Just trying to keep it on, com- compete clean, um, and do it right. You have, you were so close to winning a couple of uh, the elites, or, or the uh, the Opens to qualify for the elites. Winning, winning a uh, elite would be probably unbelievable, wouldn't it? Yes, sir. I, I could, I couldn't imagine. You know, holding, I mean, just having, just, just having a shot at one of them big, heavy blue trophies. I'd probably have three or four people try to hold it up for me. But uh, it's uh, that that would be absolutely stunning. I, I think I'd ride home. I think I'd sleep with it and hold on, yards. <laughs> that's yeah, that's pretty crazy. But uh, well, you're you're there, and uh, any any. Uh, Tips to any of the uh, other, uh, you know, high school, college students out there that have the same dream that you've had um, on what they should do to get to the point where you're at now? Absolutely. I mean, one thing is never cut yourself short. Never. I mean, 
everything is about time on the water. And, and I hate to say that, like, some people always bash. Some people for, well, if I got to fish that much as well. I mean, everything else, you can only fish as much as you can, um, depending on what kind of job you have, depending on what you do. There's so many different things. But every minute you can be on the water learning, seeing what these fish do, seeing how they react to different conditions and everything else like that. And never get caught up on who you're competing with. Because, I mean, that's a big thing as going into next year. I mean, I'm literally fishing against Brandon Tonic. I mean, all the guys, is, I mean, legends, you know. Um, so that's it's a huge deal to kind of keep your mind right and not not look at everybody's back of the jerseys um, and just kind of it's you versus the bass and uh, any level you step up in you just gotta kind of just gotta zone, make that zone into all you do is got to get your five bites today and that's all you have to worry about you know don't worry about well are they catching them well are they that guy's catching them you know it's I mean definitely you got to be aware but don't don't let it run your day if somebody else you see somebody catch a big one or something like that just kind of take note and be like watch this you know make it more of a drive than something that could handicap you good advice i uh, appreciate your time and look forward to following your career going forward again congratulations very proud of you trey and uh i'm sure it won't be the last time that i have you on the we fish asa podcast thanks for coming on Thanks, buddy. Uh, no problem. That was Trey McKinney, qualifier for the 2024 Elites. Looking forward to following his journey. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz. The We Fish ASA podcast is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, like Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, and Daiwa, they've got your bass covered. Thanks again to my guest for another great episode of the podcast. Dan Johnston talked about ice tackle preparation. Shannon Martin, Kenine River Sport Fishing Association up in Alaska. Thank you for the insight on that fishery. Phenomenal. And you just heard Trey McKinney, elite qualifier, 2024, 18 years old, You're going to have to keep your eyes on him because he is going places. I'm looking forward to bringing you the We Fish ASA podcast again next week. Until then, please take someone fishing to help grow our sport. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it.